ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Time Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Eddie Rodasevich of Sooner Scoop, franchise in Oklahoma City, also the unofficial governor of the state of Oklahoma. Plenty to discuss with Eddie Rado as we'll go over conference realignment, Oklahoma and Texas's move to the SEC, what it means for the rest of the Big 12, and also talk some Sooner football heading into 2021. Also got Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges is here with me now. And in just a couple days, I actually get to see Tom in person for the first time since Christmas, making my way back to Oklahoma. We can't do the Summer of Jones without a visit back home to T-Town. And so, Tom, it will be good to uh, actually see you in the flesh. I uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, right. It's been, it doesn't seem like it's been since Christmas, but it has. It's um, Time flies. Um, it was Christmas Eve the last time I saw you, actually. It was, yeah. That is true. And we, you know, NFL was gearing up for the playoffs. And now the next time you see me, the first uh, preseason game will be played, which is tonight. Uh, with your Steelers. The uh, the Steelers and the Cowboys, and I know that we're going to see Mason Rudolph starting. Excited to see Mason out there, and we won't see probably any of the starters for either the Cowboys or the Steelers, but nonetheless, it is football. It's happening. It's in prime time. It's on Fox. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take anything I can get at this point. I'll watch all four quarters of it too, Tom. Isn't that the truth? I'm like, all right, you know, I have to host karaoke tonight in Bartlesville, but uh, guarantee that will be on the TV and I'll be paying more attention to that than anybody else seeing. I can tell you that much. Oh, man. Uh, I bet they'll be uh, singing better than Terry Bradshaw anyway. So I would hope so. (laughs) I would sure hope so. And maybe singing better than Mason Rudolph can throw it. We'll see. Ooh, that might be tough. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll, I'm excited to see Mason Rudolph, see what he's about. And I think he's kind of on his, well, you know, prove it or lose it type deal here as far as holding the clipboard or maybe even, you know, starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers, depending on how big Ben does. I think we're going to see Mason Rudolph at some point this year play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't see big Ben playing the entire season. I think there's going to be an injury at some point down the road. I mean, I think Big Ben knows that, too. I mean, he's just going to go out like Custer's last stand, essentially. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's I mean, what else can you what else can you do, really? I mean, you got to try if you're going to not hang it up. You got to at least try. Right. Do you think anyone on the Cowboys is going to throw their helmet at Mason Rudolph's head tonight? Wouldn't that be something if he just gets a start and gets hit in the head again with the helmet? That would be pure madness already starting to come back into the NFL. And then the Hall of Fame game, nonetheless. Now, is this game in Canton? It is. It's in Canton. It's on that field that uh, was, like, poisoned a couple of years ago, and they couldn't have the game. Remember that? Yeah. Would, did you say it was, yeah, it was, like, poisoned? Yes. Isn't that crazy? Like, who, who does that? Who – I mean, that's – you know, I'll, okay, so the person that did the Auburn trees and, like, poisoned those trees, that was terrible. 
But who goes out and is thinking, ooh, I'm going to be a bad man and poison this grass on the field that no one plays on except one time a year, essentially? I mean, like, of all things, if I was ever going to poison something or somebody, which I wouldn't, but if I did, a football field would not be high on that list. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, I mean, maybe they were a, a pissed-off former employee. That would be the only thing I could think. Did they ever catch the person that did it? I don't know. Maybe it was T.O. that year that he wasn't a first bout Hall of Famer. You know, I wouldn't rule him out. <laughs> he would be on the suspect list. I mean, would... we're not a conspiracy theory show. We're a connect-the-dots type of show. And – that only makes sense that it was Terrell Owens. I say we get him on the show and ask him. Yo, did you poison the food, the, uh, <laughs> the, the turf at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame game? He just comes out and says he did it, but the statute of limitations have already passed. We're going to put him on the, uh, the Budweiser hot seat. Remember that on SportsCenter? Oh, my gosh. That was so corny. They, they, uh, I mean, I, it was corny, but I think they should bring it back for a segment revamp it let it live <laughs> we're missing some corniness out there it's all politics nowadays that's why nobody watches sports center anymore because it's not corny anymore right they got to bring back they gotta they gotta bring back the come on man i, I don't even is they they still have no because herm edwards is gone isn't he uh what they need to bring back which they never will is jacked up yeah, yeah, they should bring Jack. I mean, but the the hits they're not going to celebrate that. Like, I mean, we still celebrate a good hit, but uh, can you believe you know, there was a point in time that like ESPN every Monday night just cheered on guys getting jacked up? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was like the uh, like when Reggie Bush uh, got hit um, Eagle Saints game years ago. That was on there. That was one of the best hits I've ever seen. And it was like, you just got jacked up. Now uh, now they say you got mossed, which doesn't have quite the same flair to it. No, not the same. But it's still – I still like – I still like that you got mossed. <laughs> I remember they had Tyler Wallace on there uh, against Texas a couple of years ago, and I was like, all right. And, they, and, and I like to see the high school highlights get on there too. That's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, any of it's better than uh, than uh, than Stephen A's. Uh, oh no, you didn't. Yeah, that that is that draws. There's there's corny, and then there's really corny, uh, and and that is where I draw the line on that one. That one's bad. <laughs> what a way to open up today's show! I didn't see this coming, but you know, hey, all, all the nostalgia feels are in me right now. I can just hear Chris Berman in my head and the primetime music. I need it. Jones, speaking of, real quick, one more side tangent. When we talk about ESPN, um, guess who is coming to Tulsa? He's a regular on NFL Live. Uh, He is a timeless classic that should be protected at all costs. (laughs) He's coming to Osage Casino. It's the one and only Frank Caliendo. And I got to get tickets. See, I think Frank Caliendo, he's – I think he's lost his fastball. I see his stuff on Twitter. I'm like, this just isn't funny anymore. See, but to see him in person, I'm like, all right, 
I got to see what he has for stand up. I can get a ticket for 30 bucks. Like, I think that guy, Joey Molinaro from Barstool, is better than what Frank ever was. You think so? I think so. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the nostalgia getting me. It's hard to pass up old Frank, in my opinion. <laughs> I did. I think Frank's best impression was Gruden, though. Oh, God. Yeah. He had the, he had the hands down, the, uh, you know, all the facial movements. He had every, I mean, he had to study Gruden forever to get that. Spider Y banana. I can't even do Spider it. Spider two Y banana. Yeah. <laughs> that, see, that's classic. That's classic NFL Live, classic ESPN. I've studied that enough that I, I can draw Spider Two Y banana on a whiteboard without like looking it up or anything. I, I know every in and out of Spider Two Y banana, and partially because of Frank Galliendo. See, there you go. Timeless <laughs> classic. I could I could see coaching a football team and drawing that up for your third grade players first right out of the gate so this is what we're going to run every single play <laughs> look for the fullback every time there you go <laughs> and then we get gritty we get a fullback involved i mean you got to have the fullback everyone loves mike, the fullback. mike allstott i was talking to a guy about mike allstott last night mike allstott he's such a g we, we always talk about getting him on. He should really be on. He's, I wonder, you got to, you got to wonder what he's doing. Like, where is he at? Right. I, I feel like he's the NFL's big country. I feel like that when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they should have said, like, Mike Allstott, you paved the way for this to happen. Like, we, we thank those that came before us, like Mike Allstott. They should build him a trophy outside the stadium. They should build him one before Tom ever gets one down there. 100%. Oh, man. Mike Allstott, our hero and a total football guy. We love Mike Allstott. Um, Conference realignment continues. And I was thinking about this, Tom, that here we are. It's been what? two, three weeks since the rumors started that Oklahoma and Texas were joining the SEC. Since we left you last week, Oklahoma and Texas will be official members of the SEC come 2025, if not sooner than that. But we know at the latest they will join the league at that point. And as I look around the landscape of how all this is going to shape out, hearing the rumors of the American Athletic Conference trying to go after some of these Big 12 teams or a Big 12, Pac-12 merger or Oklahoma State and Kansas or Iowa State trying to go to the Big 10 or West Virginia to the ACC or trying to track Notre Dame to the ACC or the Big 10, just all these different things and seeing how there's going to be a weeding out process. I'm almost disappointed in myself, Tom, that it took me – to this point to kind of figure this out. But what I think we're seeing, what's happening in real time in conference realignment is this is the American sports version of relegation that we see in European soccer all the time. Every year, European soccer, in particular the Premier League, there's teams that go 
down that get kicked out of the Premier League and teams that move up. And it's an ongoing system. You're not guaranteed a spot. Now, also how it works is that, you know, the cream does rise to the top. You're never going to see Manchester City or Man U or any of those teams, the elites, ever get relegated because they have the money. They are uh, going to do what they can to stay on top, and, and that day will never come where they'll get relegated. What we're seeing now in college football is the powers that be that have continued to dominate, that have owned this sport for quite some time, are still getting their seat at the table. Alabama, they're going to be just fine. Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, you name it, they're going to be okay. Their seat is still there. But you look at that next step down, the next level of teams – whether it's the TCUs, the Baylors, Kansas State, I mean, you, you name it, Texas Tech, now might be the, the point of no return. Bye. See you later. You're not among the elite. You're not going to compete with the elite. We might be seeing that right now. I think that this weed-out process is occurring where, you know, we, we could see two – Super conferences in the SEC and the Big Ten. It could be four super conferences with them and the ACC and the Pac-12. But whatever it is, it's happening. That's what we're seeing before us is that uh, relegation is happening in real time and no one knows what's going to happen. You know, the thing I look at, too, is that – there's some things that make logical sense for us talking about, you know, Kansas and Iowa state, for example. Okay. They seem like big 10 teams. West Virginia seems like an ACC team. You know, that type of stuff. Okay. That sounds right. But does it make sense financially? What if you're the big 10, your counter of the big of the SEC adding in Oklahoma, Texas is going to be Kansas and Iowa state. Hmm. Aren't there bigger fish to fry potentially going after maybe some Pac-12 schools like USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, if you can, whatever. There's still a lot to play out. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you take Kansas State, for example. And as a guy that went to the University of Kansas, I actually have nothing against Kansas State. They are little brother. They are not a problem for the University of Kansas. KU is the flagship university of that state. Kansas State is a step below. We've all known this. That's how things have been for for decades and decades ago. Even with the lack of success of Kansas football the last several years, they still have a whole lot more wins all time than Kansas State does. Traditionally speaking, they are still the better football program, believe it or not. And a team like Kansas State, out in the middle of nowhere, Manhattan, Kansas, got a great football stadium. You know, their program's been great since Bill Snyder took over. Decent basketball program. You're going to be left behind. Nobody wants you. Sorry, you're not invited to the party. Simple as that. There's no package that includes K-State. That's it. See you later. And then I see, you know, senators like Roger Marshall, and I got to be careful what I say about that because, you know, I do cover politics, but – This is a situation where politics entered the sports world, not sports becoming politics, two different things, where we see 
really the DOJ involved here? I mean, this is when stuff is getting absurd. And, you know, then you have these meetings of, you know, these uh, these Texas state senators bringing in, uh, you know, the UT president and Bob Bowlesby and all these others. And, you know, they're having their moment where they're saying, oh, Texas, you know, you've enjoyed, uh, you rather lose to Alabama than TCU, huh? You're three and seven in the last 10 years, you know, taking their pod shots trying to save face, trying to raise money off of it and such. It's all a game to them, essentially. Um, Look, there's still ways to go. We would be crazy. We'd be lying to you if we tried to act like that we knew what's going to happen. We don't. Um, But, folks, buckle in because we're just getting started. That Oklahoma-Texas thing, Tom, that was just the first domino to fall. I don't know what's next. I don't think anybody knows what's next and, and I think it's going to get crazier. And, you know, this is just the, essentially the first grain of sand to fall in the hourglass um, until that sand from the top is at the bottom. Um, You know, and when, when, you know, the time, I say time runs out when all the grains of sand are from the top to the bottom, the college football landscape is going to look a hell of a lot different. Yeah, uh, it's going to be it's going to be completely new. It is. It is. Um, and I'll say this. I know the DOJ wants to look into ESPN and such or, or Roger Marshall wants the DOJ to look into ESPN. Um, but all the power we talk about, you know, these schools and where they want to go. It's all in ESPN's hands, ESPN and Fox. It's the TV networks that pull all the strings that say, okay, you go here, you go there, make this happen. And, you know, some people might not like that, might be upset with how that's handled. You know, it might not be for the betterment of the sport of college football. That's the other thing. As exciting as it is for Oklahoma and Texas to move to the SEC, that doesn't mean it's great for everybody. We've seen the ramifications of the Big 12, what they're going through right now, this messy divorce and such. Doesn't mean everything's going to be better for everybody else. Doesn't mean it's going to be better for the health of the sport of college football. Not one bit. Um, But if you think you know what's going on, um, you must be working for a television network. That's what's really going on. This is all going to come down to what ESPN, what Fox, what these networks want. And now you see, too, college football playoff – we thought it was a done deal. They're going to 12 teams. And now they've put the pause button and said, hold up a second here. Do we really want to go to 12 teams? Do we want to give the SEC six teams in the playoff every single year? Maybe not. Maybe we like the four-team idea. Um, you know, I, I don't think, Tom, that OU and Texas are going to have any buyer's remorse going to the SEC. But – if the playoff doesn't expand because of OU and Texas making this move, that surely changes things just a bit. I think that we're the playoff will expand. We're still going to go through with it. But it is interesting that now everything kind of steps back a little bit. Things have slowed down because of this move of bringing OU and Texas in. Yeah, it has slowed slowed it way down because now we don't know what it's going to look like yet. So we don't know, you know, I say we, 
they don't know what, I don't know, I had a word, this plan to put in place. I mean, until everything's set in stone, you don't want to get too crazy with it. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, you don't want to shake up, you know, shake up something that could not be a good idea once the landscape changes. You know, it was a good idea before Texas and OU move. Well, now that changes everything. Um, and, and like we said, we use the domino metaphor so many times already. But I'm going to use it again. That was the first domino to fall. So we're, we're not going to know what it looks like until the dominoes stop falling. And I don't think that's anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think so either. It's still uh, to be played out and still a ways to go in, uh, in all this process here um, of what that future looks like. And, you know, you got NIL involved and, and what, what to make of that. And I think if there's one thing that I feel certain on, if you said, okay, Tyler, um, you have to make a bet about a future event that will occur in all this realignment talk, I would put that bet on that we are moving away from the NCAA, that college football, as we know it, is going to operate without the National Collegiate Athletics Association, that the conferences will govern themselves. That is Which the is good as dead. Right. The NCAA is a dead man walking. The NCAA and the Big 12 are, uh, are sharing a, a grave site together. You bet. You might as well put their gravestones side by side. I mean, they're, they're going to be hanging out. Uh, or at least the Big 12 as we know it anyway. Um, you know, if the Big 12 adds teams from the American, that's not the Big 12. That's the American. Um, you know, th this – what, what we're seeing ahead, the, the NCAA, it, the days are behind them. Um, even if here, – here's an idea in all this. Um, we love the NCAA tournament when it comes to basketball uh, every single year, arguably the best sporting event of the year. And if you have four 16-team super conferences, just do a little quick math. How many teams is that? 64 teams there's your ncaa tournament every year um or you know i guess college basketball tournament whatever you want to call it now what hurts is you don't have your gonzagas you don't have uh your butlers and uh you know your your yukons of the world and such that's 64 teams that are you know college with college football programs, with elite college football programs. So you could still have a 64-team tournament, but it's not the tournament we know now. Now, Tom, that's where I look at is in this whole departure from the NCAA, if, if you said, okay, Tyler, you're in charge, what are you going to do? I'm cheering for the departure of the NCAA to happen. But I don't want to see – the end of the of March Madness as we know it. I don't want it to be a 64-team football conference tournament. Uh, I would still like to see, you know, the 68 teams of the best of the best in the country and still have the seat at the table for the Gonzagas and the Butlers of the world and such. Um, but that, that's still down the road. Um, but 
it wouldn't shock me if these 64 teams said we're out completely. We're not doing anything with with y'all. Y'all are out. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a damn shame to see it go down that way. Could it? It very well could. Um, I I think for the spirit of of you know what March Madness is and means and the history of it, <clears throat> I think they'll figure out something. Uh, might not be the you know March Madness that we've come to know and love. Might be a little bit different. I think it would have to be. Um, but I think they'll I think they would still keep that around uh, in some form or fashion. But it'll be interesting to see how they play it out and, and what the schools do to keep you know the basketball schools in it. Um, because I mean, let's be real. Uh, I mean, football dominates uh, all of college sports. It 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 just means more, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It does. Uh, and then probably basketball is probably next. Um, and then everybody else just falls in line from that. Um, but still, football's on the top tier. Uh, you know, it, I would say it, football over basketball is probably, I don't know, like a full 10 story building over college basketball that's just how it is you know and there's some purists to the basketball game that you know they're went to butler went to gonzaga went to duke you know and duke's you know not a smaller school and they have a decent football program but you know what i mean the the basketball programs the wichita states type type thing Mm -hmm. when they don't get when they don't get you know some play or put into it it doesn't you know after that your cinderellas are gone if that's the case you're more cash yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think I, I say Cinderella's, but you know what I mean? Like the, you know, good feel stories of a smaller school coming up and, and winning it. Uh, and I, I just I, as the whole as a whole country, as a whole nation, as sports in general, I just don't think that's something we can get away uh, with just doing without. Well, um, and then, you know, we, we mentioned this idea of Kansas and the Big Ten rumors that were out this week. Mike Vernon, uh, I believe, was the one that broke the story. And, uh, you know, his report that, that came out uh, from uh, KCSP, um, you know, citing that there were some there's some talks between KU and the Big Ten. There could be an announcement coming in the next couple of weeks. And just from the people I've heard from at Kansas, things have been kind of quiet around there. And the idea that was given to me was, hey, things are quiet, but that's a good thing. Um, Oklahoma and Texas did all of this for months without saying a word. It wasn't until word got to Texas A&M and A&M tried to do what they can to stop it that that word got out. And by then it was already too late for Texas A&M to stop the process of Oklahoma and Texas joining the uh, SEC. The feeling in Lawrence is pretty good about Kansas's future. And, and where I see Kansas, you mentioned the basketball football thing. In, in Kansas's cases, they might be an outlier in all this. At least that's what you hope if you're the University of Kansas, is that you are the outlier of sorts in that, okay, you have one of the top three basketball programs in the country. Simple as that, right? You were third in the Big 12 the last five years in TV revenue, only behind Oklahoma and Texas, despite how awful your football program has been. Um, Your facilities are improving. Um, We know about everything is good there except that football stadium. Um, You have a state-of-the-art practice facility now. We know about Allen Fieldhouse and some of these other things. 
Now, you've had an athletic department that's been a disaster the last several years um, with what Jeff Long did and, you know, Chanzinger before him and all these awful football coaches they've hired and such uh, over this stretch. That's been a disaster. But now you got Travis Goff leading the charge, who's a Northwestern guy, who's got those Big Ten roots. And, you know, you, you have a – brother. Right. You have a, a, a competent head coach now and uh, Lance Leipold, uh, you know, who is well-respected in so- of sorts. I think that's what you hope for is, if you're Kansas, is that you're an outlier. That, okay, yes, basketball doesn't matter even half as much as college football does. It matters probably about a fifth as much as college football does. But you say, look, you brought in a lot of money more than any of those other Big 12 schools, more than Oklahoma State. And you know what? Those basketball games are going to fill a lot of programming in those winter months. Um, You know, you bring in the Kansas City market, you bring in a huge fan base, you got a big alumni base in Chicago. Um, That's where the, when we put the rules out for realignment, when we say, okay, this is what it takes to get to, this conference or to move around. If you're Kansas, you have to hope that you are the exception to the rule because the rules that are out there now uh, are not in Kansas's favor. No, they're not. And, uh, you know, I think they can be an outlier. I think the, the basketball revenue and, and just the market right in there, I think that makes up for it enough. You know, obviously I'm not a decision maker for this, but, just from what I can see, I, I think they would be fine. And, and, you know, if all, you know, if all is true, you mentioned that it's pretty quiet around KU. That means there's not a whole lot of fires. They're not putting out fires right now. And they um, were just a few months ago. There was a lot of fire. Well, well, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there's, I mean, that goes un, almost unsaid that they, they've fought enough fires that, you know, if all is quiet on the Western front right now, um, uh, in Lawrence, then it's probably a good sign. Um, you know, they're not freaking out. They're not trying to, you know, wheel and deal essentially to, to get where they want to go or where they can go. Um, so I, I think that in and of itself is just a good sign that KU will be, a, they're going to be fine. Well, I mean, you compare it to down the road, Manhattan. We are just talking about K- K-State. You're not a part of any package with Kansas. You're not going with them. You're not being invited to the party right now. They're in complete panic mode in Manhattan. They're in complete chaos. And, you know, they're along with TCU and this whole idea of trying to save the Big 12 and make the Big 12 great again and all that. That's the feeling in Manhattan. Kansas is like, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to do what we can to get out of this situation and find the best situation for us. And well, and when they and when they say that, when they say make the Big Twelve great again, they're all they're doing is just using you know what they have left to try to convince that oh we're here for everybody. No, it's pretty it's pretty self interest based, and I, I get it. I I get it. If that's all you gotta, you know, it's it's like you know telling the band not to split up when that's all you got when everybody else has a better option and you're the you're the fucking fiddle player and everyone else can go to a different band and nobody else is fucking playing fiddle anymore. K-State's playing fiddle. Yeah. 
They are. And you look at, you know, this whole idea of the Pac-12, Big 12 having this merger, uh, the meeting that they had this week, this six-hour meeting, um, this first date that they had. Um, You know, maybe they need each other, sure, but you better believe that those schools are still looking out for themselves. Bowlesby and this new Pac-12 commissioner may look at themselves like, yeah, we need each other. But then their member institutions may be like, why would I be a part of this? Let's go to the Big Ten when we have the chance. Let's go to the ACC, the SEC, whatever, when we have the chance. Just because leadership up top likes it doesn't mean the members themselves like the idea. Of well, yeah, they want to keep their they want to keep their job, right? You know, they want. I mean, I don't know how much Bob Bowlesby makes a year, but I'm sure it's five times as much as I make. Yeah, I mean, Bowlesby should be unemployed right now. Yeah, he's as he's as good as done. He's going to be kicking it in the graveyard with with uh, with the Big Twelve and the NCAA. Oh yeah, so the the headstone, you know. Uh, you have uh, the NCAA, the Big 12, and you have Bob Bowlesby's career. Um, you know, they're all you know, lining up next to each other. But in the case of Kansas, uh, I would say, you know, as far as being the outlier goes, to kind of circle this back, what you say as a university is what you bring to the table um, as that basketball program that actually brings in revenue and such – if let's say that this is down to the Big Ten and the ACC, which is best case scenario for Kansas is to get an invite to one of those conferences. Best case is not to hold things up in a merger with the AAC or the Pac-12 and try to mess around with that. Your best case is try to leave the sinking ship and go to the uh, Big Ten or the ACC. And what you have to offer your best case as the University of Kansas is this. Whatever conference you join between those two is going to be the elite basketball conference, plain and simple. We have seen in the last decade, the Big 12 has kind of been the best basketball conference. The Big 10 has been right there. The ACC has been right there. Kansas completely changes the landscape. And you want to talk about identity of a league. The SEC owns college football. There is nothing in realignment that can be done right now that would make, Tom, the SEC not be the best conference in college football at this point. There's no scenario where the SEC will not be best at this point in time. What you can do, and I feel like you're almost settling for second place, but what you can do is – if you're the ACC or the Big Ten is, okay, Kansas, you're coming with us, and we are going to be the best basketball conference. Plain and simple, you are the SEC of college basketball if you bring in Kansas. I mean, yeah, that's a top-tier player, and, and hell, if it, it won't happen in terms of, you know, and maybe geography be damned, but it, it just probably won't happen in, in for Baylor, but can you imagine bringing in KU and Baylor if you wanted to build the best basketball conference and you want to take two teams from the Big 12, immediately picking KU and Baylor? I mean, they're not going to get Baylor, but hell, if you get Kansas, uh, that's a blue that's a blue chip. It's a blue blood. Boom. And Baylor, not necessarily a blue blood. I mean, they're, they're new money. 
Um, you know, the KU's, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas, the Michigans, the, you know, uh, any one of those, uh, you know, you're going to be, you're, you're set. Um, and so any, anybody's going to be happy. You want to build the SEC of college basketball and KU's out there. That's your top free agent. That's who you go get. You have to. So I think KU's going to be just all right uh, in that case. Oh, uh, you know, what's the uh, what's the song by uh, by Usher, uh, you know, a lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. Um, I think that you, you have never sounded more white than right now. <laughs> that's what the University of Kansas is. Yeah, the song is called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exclamation yeah. mark. <laughs> I need that. I need that on a on a on a rotating. I need that on a rotating gift with sound. What's that Usher song? A lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. That's KU right now. Oh my god! I didn't. I didn't think we would see her that today. Comparing the University of Kansas uh, about. You know, to a woman who is very nice in public, but is a is is an is an animal behind closed doors. University of Kansas, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Do you even want to associate with me after saying that? Is that embarrassing? I, I, I don't know. I thought I, I thought I was pretty white, but that was that was very that was very Caucasian of you. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. You could, you could, you could compare KU to that in multiple ways. You know, lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. I mean, they they go behind closed doors all the time, and uh, partner up with uh, and pay good money. So, wasn't that the uh, the thing that Jeff Long said about uh, about David Beatty? They had to go find a hooker in the closet. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> yes. Oh no. Oh man. I wasn't thinking about that when I made the analogy, but now it, it, it doesn't wouldn't make sense. it wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time uh I, I, you know somebody from KU's offered money for sex. <laughs> Big if true. Big if true. Gosh. What a <laughs> what a show. How do we even go on with the rest of the show after that? I don't even know. That that's uh, I don't even know if you can continue this this portion of the segment. I don't even know how to transition out of that. Is that just a walk off the set moment now? I think so. <laughs> I, 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 that was a very we'll do it live moment. We did it live indeed. We talk about Frank Caliendo, Mason Rudolph getting hit in the head. Uh, you coming back to Tulsa and we talk about Usher. I don't know what year this is. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. I'm going to have to have a real fire Tom Fullery to beat that today. <laughs> You're welcome, America. Right. Golly. Coming up next here on the Jones Sports. Ask Eddie if he likes Usher. <laughs> Eddie Rodosovich is going to join us. And we got a great chat with Eddie. It's going to be a good time. It always is when 
uh, Eddie stops by from a Sooner Scoop franchise in Oklahoma City. We're going to talk more about the realignment talks of uh, the Big 12 and the SEC and what's ahead for Oklahoma and Texas. And also uh, dive into a little Sooner football into 2021. Spitzer Rattler and company with high expectations entering this season. We'll break those down for you. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery story of the week as well as we continue here in the Jones Report. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is Eddie Radosevich of Sooner Scoop franchise in Oklahoma City. Most importantly, the governor of Oklahoma as we head to SEC country, where it just simply means more. Eddie joins us right now. Eddie, how are we doing, sir? Alex Jones, what's going on, man? How are we? I'm doing well, and always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Um, tell me about what it, what it means now to, to be a part of this elite conference. Do, do you feel a difference <laughs> now compared to when you were a week ago? Some of, uh, some of us up at the radio station and some of my buddies, we've been joking. It's like the day after the news broke, uh, it just, it, it, we felt a little bit stronger, felt a little bit quicker, felt a little bit more on the, on the ball as far as uh, the radio show goes, but no, it's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind kind of, uh, you know, I, I, you know, as well as anybody, it's like from about the first week of July until the end of July, it's like, okay, can we get through big 12 media day? And if you can get through that, there's going to be nothing. So you got to scraping for ideas, uh, for content and, Boy, the last couple of weeks has just been absolutely incredible. And you going back, you know, almost, uh, you know, I guess a month now to Big 12 Media Days. I remember having the conversation with uh, one of my colleagues, Bob Prisbillo, on the way back from Arlington. It's like everything in the Big 12 seems like for the first time in, you know, relatively four or five years, it seems pretty quiet. Uh, it seems like everybody's kind of on the same, same page. And uh, it, we couldn't have been any more wrong about how all that was going to uh, kind of unfold over the last couple of weeks yeah things uh escalated quickly uh yeah you could say that you could say that <laughs> and i love the content you're putting out i mean you fully embrace whether it's paul feinbaum or you know getting the u-haul ready i mean what's sure. next now eddie i i mean I, it's it's gonna certainly be i guess find ways to make excuses for oklahoma losing in bowl games isn't that kind of the next step <laughs> for uh for sec uh i guess entry if you will. Uh, no, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, from a, from a personal and from a bit like a business standpoint with Sooner Scoop and stuff like that, I don't think that we could have asked for anything better as far as, uh, you know, Oklahoma making the move into the SEC and, you know, everything that comes with it. And if you would have asked me a month ago that I was going to be singing the praises of Paul Feinbaum and the, uh, the fine folks of the Southeastern Conference, I would have, uh, you know, certainly wondered, uh, what you had done with, uh, with Eddie Radosevich. So it's, uh, it's, it's a changing, uh, changing new world, ever-changing new world. But at the same time, uh, you know, from, from an Oklahoma fan base perspective, Tyler, I think that it's one of those things that a lot of people are, a lot, are really excited about. And obviously, it's going to kind of be interesting to see uh, how that transition period goes and just kind of the way that the Big 12 goes and what happens with the, uh, the I-Rate 8 or whatever you want to call them, the teams that are left. Little 12. There, there, there is like uh, the Little 12. Is that what they're calling them? Yes. It, like – I, 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 I think that they should like... still be 12, no matter what. Like, we have to refer to them as 12. Right. I, I, do, I do feel like this sense of, like, I don't know if it's sadness, but, like, you know, growing up in Big 8 country and then, like, it slowly adjusting to the Big 12, I do feel like this sense of, 
uh, you know, pride that is now being lost. And, you know, Oklahoma is obviously uh, kind of one of the main reasons why. So it's, uh, it's, it, it's been kind of fun, but, you know, it's, uh, it's good to see some of the, uh, the old rivalries, uh, I guess, in a way, kind of reignited with, uh, you know, the fine folks of College Station. So uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun over the last couple of weeks. You know, Eddie, uh, you've always been one of my favorite followers on social media. And I feel like this move to the SEC just gave you new energy of sorts. I mean, I see you battling Doug Gottlieb and taking no prisoners and such. I mean, yeah, this, this is just – you're on a roll right now. It, it, it felt uh, it felt good to get back in the mud a little bit. I've been too nice to people over the last couple of months or over the last couple of years. And, but no, I like, you know, the thing with Doug, I just like, it's nonsensical what he's trying to, you know, I guess portray out there. I don't think that anybody would, uh, you know, follow the path of what he is trying to admit. And like, it, it, the thing about it though, Tyler is, is like, and this is kind of, I think the, the bugaboo about just, you know, Twitter or social media in general is that, like nobody wants it to be, oh, both sides are probably right. It's like either either one side has to be right or the other side has to be right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Oklahoma State obviously has every right to be pissed off about how everything went down, and especially out of Norman. I, I think that, you know, if the roles were reversed, uh, you know, there would be uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. Dr. Shrum probably is, has been doing it with uh, with lightweight gloves compared to how it would be if it was the other way around. And people were just as mad if. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State was the one making the move. So, uh, you know, they have every right to be mad about how everything went down. But uh, at the same time, I don't know what Oklahoma could have done uh, in reverse. Like it, it's been uh, it's been it, it's it's perfect almost, too, because it is kind of that, quote unquote, dead period as far as the start of football season. You know, Oklahoma doesn't even report till Friday. And, uh, you know, there just hasn't been a whole lot to talk about out there. So, uh, you know, what is the uh, like? What's the uh, the phrase or cliche line about like uh, the devil works in idle hands or something like that? I, I'm not good enough to know know the know the phrase, but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to uh, to mix it up on the Twitter sphere once again with some fine folks. Well, and on the Oklahoma State perspective that you bring up there, I mean, role you mentioned roles reversed. If they were told you can go to the SEC, but with Texas and not Oklahoma. There's no way they wouldn't have done the exact same thing. I mean, this is all a, a jealousy right. thing is what I feel like here, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, I, it, jealousy is probably one way to put it. I think that there's some hurt feelings for sure of not maybe getting the heads up. Uh, you know, and I, I think that, you know, the same could be said for the, the people of Ames. The same could be said for the people of Fort Worth. The same could be said for the people of Waco, uh, Manhattan. The list goes on and on. I mean, I, I think that anybody that is left in the big 12 or what it is going to be uh, probably has to feel a little bit worried about the future. And uh, you know, I, I specifically for the people of Stillwater, I think that, you know, the one good thing that they have is they have a really good athletic department to fall back on. And I think that, you know, what Chad Weiberg and what he kind of stepped into, he certainly didn't know that he was going to inherit this mess from Mike Holder. And uh, you know, I, I, they, they have taken steps here over the last 10, 20 years uh, you know, with what you look at, what that, athletic department brings in from a revenue standpoint and what they've been able to do on the field, whether it be the football field or the basketball court or, you know, golf or wrestling or wherever, it's almost incredible what they've been able to, uh, to do. I think they're like in the mid forties revenue wise, you're talking about Oklahoma, Texas. They're both in the top 10 right now of revenue uh, in, in uh, the sports side of things. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where Oklahoma state ends up, but at the same time, 
they shouldn't be too worried. I think that, you know, in a way they could probably kind of capitalize off this thing, especially if the, uh, the bedlam lines are drawn and they don't play anymore. I mean, I, Oklahoma's kind of been the, the one speed bump from Oklahoma state getting to a college football playoff. So uh, if, if they can, if they can get rid of that, uh, you know, in-state rivalry, which I think that, you know, it's, it's fair to say that uh, whenever Oklahoma makes the move official, uh, you know, and, and Oklahoma's not Oklahoma State's not tied to them through conference play. Uh, it's probably we've probably seen the end of Bedlam for a while. I, I don't think that they're going to be scheduling each other. And, uh, you know, as a kid that grew up in the state of Oklahoma, and I, I think that you probably uh, would would know as well as anybody. It's like that's going to be a sad deal. I, I think that that is going to be a really sad deal. And, you know, the, the Oklahoma fan out there that says, oh, they don't they won't care or won't matter to them. Uh, let's let's go ahead and bookmark that. and We'll circle back when uh, when we don't have that to talk about. Right. When you're playing South Carolina instead. Sure. Uh, sure. It's not going to be quite weird. the same. Yeah. No. Um, of these SEC sites, I, I know that you, you probably got a list in mind. Where are you looking to go to first? What are you excited about most? I can't imagine what Eddie at the Grove is going to be like or some of these other places. Yeah, I think that's number one. Uh, I, I mean, let's, let's just be Can I join honest. you out I, there, Eddie? Can, can we absolutely. Make okay, absolutely. Uh, it's, the Grove <laughs> has to be number one. I mean, I think that that is kind of the staple on anybody's uh, college football bucket list, just as far as uh, atmosphere and what you want in a game day uh, kind of, uh, you know, game day experience. Uh, the, the Grove has to be on top of it. Uh, I remember going back all the way to my freshman year when I was at uh, OU. Uh, I think it was freshman or sophomore year. I had some fraternity brothers that went to uh, Old Miss, Alabama uh, in Oxford. And, you know, looking back on it, that's like one of those things. It's like I didn't go. And that's one of those moments of like, wow, you really missed out. So <laughs> Oxford is probably, and I, I think one of my pledge brothers ended up breaking his arm inside the Fiji house down there, but I can't remember. Uh, I, they probably don't remember either. That's probably part of the problem, but uh, Oxford's number one. I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta, like I, we, we did the, uh, the Knoxville thing a couple years ago. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, have to kind of circle Death Valley at night. I think, you know, Baton Rouge is most certainly going to be up there as far as bucket list trips. Uh, you know, I, I guess to a certain extent, like Tuscaloosa and just seeing what the, what the game day atmosphere is for an Alabama game, uh, that certainly has to be in there. Fayetteville's always been a lot of fun when I've been there. I've never been there for a sporting event, though. Uh, so it will be uh, – there. It's kind of weird because it's like there are going to be so many new places. Athens, obviously, is another place that I've heard is an incredible college game gay atmosphere. So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You look at, you know, the Big 12 stops and we've been there so many times over the last uh, 10 years since I've been covering Oklahoma. It's, uh, you know, it's just going to be different. I think that even places that maybe you wouldn't look at and kind of circle on, on the on the map as a, maybe a place that would just really kind of jump out at you. Even like a Starkville, I think will be fun just yeah. to go see the baseball stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of in a, in a way like interested to see all of them. Uh, you know, I know that it's going to be years and years and years before you can kind of mark off every stop, but uh, you know, even to a, a, a smaller extent, just getting out and having a reason to go to Nashville for a couple of days. Right. Uh, that's a town that I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, visiting for vacation and stuff like that. So uh, 
I'm, I'm excited for all of them, but you know, obviously Oxford, uh, Baton Rouge and Athens, you could even throw Tuscaloosa in there. Those are the kind of the, the four like bucket list, like I'm going to have those circled as soon as everything uh, gets finalized as far as scheduling goes. Baker's got to come out to Fayetteville, right? Uh, you would think so. I mean, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I would hope that he's paid off all the fines out there. He might have some priors that, uh, you know, some, 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 uh, bench warrants out for his arrest, but no, he should be good. Uh, I, I, I am going to excited about like, you know, everybody looks at the football side of things and because I cover baseball and because the Oklahoma softball teams had the run that they've had, uh, it's going to be kind of fun to get out and kind of see everything during the spring. I, you know, I'm, I'm a golf nut, so I, I think yeah. the SEC golf stuff is going to be a lot of fun to uh, to cover here and over the next couple of years. So, uh, you know, I you know from an Oklahoma standpoint, they're going to have to step it up on the baseball side, particularly with facilities and things like that. Obviously, uh, Patty Gasso wants to get a new stadium built down in Norman for uh, the defending national champions, and uh, it's it, it's going to kind of be interesting to see uh, not, not only like where all the money come from, uh, but at the same time, like like how quickly they can get this stuff done because uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. And I was talking to somebody the other day about this. It's like, everybody is for the longest time. We've always talked about the TV contracts coming together, uh, the grant of rights coming to an end. And for so long, that seemed like it was so far in the distance. And, you know, all of a sudden one day we wake up, Houston Chronicle puts out a report and two weeks later, Oklahoma was in the SEC. So it's all kind of going to be accelerated here. I think over the next couple of years. I think for you, Eddie, too, uh, you know, the natty light just fits right into the SEC, too. I mean, you're going to oh, make yeah. some friends real fast. Yeah, I think so. I, it should be uh, kind of interesting to see how uh, how uh, accepting, uh, I guess, they are of, uh, of the uh, Natty's for Patty movement. But, it, you know, it, it is kind of, like, interesting. It's like Oklahoma, all their, like, quote-unquote rivalries over the last couple of years, and particularly in the softball world, have been in the SEC, whether it be Florida, whether it be Tennessee, uh, you know, I think they played Auburn in the in the Women's College World Series as well. Alabama, obviously. So, uh, you know, those are going to be a lot of fun over the next couple of years. And, you know, taking Texas with them, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how uh, how everything kind of comes together. And I guess kind of what what the next step is. I, I truly don't know. Like, I think there's so much uh, like there's 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 so little known as far as like, OK, OU and Texas are going to the SEC, but like everything else that goes with it is still yet to be kind of figured out. And, uh, I'm excited to see how it all kind of comes together. It's going to be a lot of fun. On the football field, Eddie, how competitive do you think Oklahoma is in the SEC? Right now, the situation as it stands, they basically have an easy path to the college football playoff sure. almost every year. Now you step into the SEC with all the teams that are there. How good do you think they're going to be compared to the rest of that league? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's kind of been the uh, the, the common talking point around uh, Norman and Oklahoma City and, you know, on the radio in the mornings and stuff. And we've talked about just the fact that, you know, I think that there's this sense that from Oklahoma, from, Oklahoma's, from you know, the, the real crazy diehard fans that that think that they're going to step in day one and just be able to run run shop, almost kind of a carryover of what it's been. Uh, you know, that's hardly not going to be the case. I think anybody with, uh, you know, a sense of uh, reality, a sense of, uh, of, of what they're kind of stepping into knows that it's going to be a step up week to week. Uh, you know, it, it, over the last couple of years, they've benefited from being able to kind of slide by in a conference that, uh, you know, they've been able to find ways to win games. Uh, would they have been able to find ways to win with poor defenses in 16, 17 and 18? 
probably not. I think that's probably the, the, you know, the, the reality of the situation. Uh, with that said, I think that Oklahoma and, you know, with Lincoln Riley and what they're building as far as a, a program, um, you know, it's it, kind of the, the main talking point right now is, uh, you know, as good as they've been over the last couple of years and specifically on the offensive side of the football, they've maybe taken a step back, but they've also taken a step up defensively. And I think that, you know, what you've seen uh, with what Alex Grinch has been able to do in his first three seasons or entering his third season here in Norman, uh, you know, they are starting to be more complete. Uh, they're starting to recruit on the defensive side of the football, the guys that you would expect a school like Oklahoma to be able to recruit. Uh, with that said, even going back into, you know, like the 2019 class, I think that Oklahoma would still would have been, uh, you know, eighth or ninth in the country. And I think that would have been like sixth in the SEC. So they still have a long way to go. But at the same time, uh, you know, as good as Oklahoma's been over the last couple of years, they should be better. They should be a better team over the next few years. And you would hope that that catapults them into SEC play. And, you know, where that kind of, where does that put them as far as uh, the power rankings go in the SEC is going to be uh, kind of interesting to see. Uh, you know, how, how long can Alabama stay on top? Uh, you're always going to have Georgia. You're always going to have uh, the Auburns of the world that are fighting uh, Florida, obviously. So, uh, you know, A&M starting to recruit better and better. I think they have a pretty good staff and what Jimbo's trying to build. And, you know, does the light ever come on for Texas? So, uh, you know, week to week, it's going to be obviously harder than what they've had in the Big 12. But at the same time, I think that Oklahoma feels like uh, they are taking the steps to be able to compete and to be able to be, uh, you know, kind of that, that key cog, uh, you know, that, that upper echelon of what the SEC is uh, from a football perspective. And, you know, you look at the recruiting rankings and you look at what they're trying to develop, uh, you know, both on both sides of the football, whether it be offense or defense, I think that they're starting to make those strides. And I think that's the exciting thing for Oklahoma fans and particularly going into the 2021 season here coming up is, uh, you know, it, it certainly seems like it's lining up here over the next couple of years for Oklahoma to make that quote unquote realistic run at a national championship. I, it's been a reality uh, with what they've been able to do in, you know, 17 specifically with a, with an offense that had 10 of the 11 guys go to the NFL, but at the same time, they were so, so close, but yet so far because of uh, the inability to stop teams uh, consistently on the defensive side. Yeah. Well, Eddie, I look at it this way, this move to the SEC. Um, they they owed it to the the fans, the the alumni to put the best product out there, that they couldn't sure. miss out on this money that was available to them to be a part of the best conference in the country. The Big 12, we've seen how just unstable it's been the last decade. To me, while you have maybe a faction of those, those Oklahoma State and those you know Big 12 people that are upset about what happened here. Oklahoma had to do what was best for them. I mean, that's what this comes down to, right? It was about their own business. They, they owed it to themselves to make this move. Yeah, yeah, I, I would completely agree. And, you know, I don't want to say, like, I, I think Baker even might have said it during a, uh, during a Browns press conference. I think the, the word board was used. I don't, I don't think board has been the, the right message. No. But, like, you hear the groans. Uh, you hear the groans on the radio or wherever, on, on Twitter, on social media. It's like, I think that there is a segment of the fan base that had kind of become, uh, I, I think stale would probably be a better word for it as far as the view of the majority of the fan base and what they viewed the Oklahoma product. And, you know, if you're Joe Castiglione or if you're Joe Harris, the president of the University of Oklahoma, that's a problem. 
And I think that, you know, the, the thing that has kind of become a, a common talking point as well during this, uh, you know, transition period or during, you know, the conference realignment or whatever you want to call it, it's been, uh, you know, this is the decision for the next 40 to 50 years, not the next four to five years. And I think that, uh, you know, when you look at kind of the way that the, 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 the landscape of college football is moving, the ever-changing landscape of uh, just college athletics in general, if you're going to align yourself with the conference that is forward thinking, that is going to set yourself up for the next 40 to 50 years, like I'll be the first one to admit it. It sounds gross. I hate saying it, but it's the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> and, you know, all this happened uh, just with uh, 11 a.m. kickoffs uh, against Nebraska. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, like that, that. I think that was the, the final cherry on top. And I think that, you know, you look back at, uh, you know, obviously the comments that Joe C came out with, uh, you know, after that announcement was made, uh, there just weren't any concessions from the Big 12 as far yeah. as uh, why they were doing it, uh, why it was being put in there. And, you know, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, it, this is kind of like a, a, a very specific uh, example, but just look at Campus Corner. I, I think that, you know, there's some businesses up there that have, uh, you know, taking it on the chin and obviously so because of the pandemic and things and how rough everything's been over the last year and a half. But at the same time, uh, this is just, it was a building momentum. And I think that, you know, the 11 a.m. stuff was just kind of the cherry on top for them to finally pull back. And as we know now, it's, it's been, that was, it, it, it was already in motion before that. So uh, it's been certainly kind of interesting uh, to kind of see how it has unfolded publicly and just how quiet it's been uh, behind the scenes, because, uh, you know, for for nothing to come out from, uh, you know, specifically Norman, but more maybe specifically from Austin, uh, it's almost amazing. That's like the the upset of the century. I don't know if there will be anything that is more surprising than no words being leaked out of Austin. Uh, it, it, it's almost jaw dropping just how how quiet this thing was. It's like they took a page out of Sam Presti's Fort Knox playbook. And right. Right. It, I mean, it's incredible. I, I, I truly was almost shocked to find out that, uh, you know, it's all the reporting and stuff that, that came out. I think Kirk Bowles had some stuff about it as far as, you know, maybe this had been going on for as long as a year. Uh, you know, certainly over the last six months, this had developed into a relationship at which OU and Texas were going to be tied at the hip. And, you know, it, it, it's weird to see them working together. Uh, it's, it's also weird to see how quiet it's all been and how it just how many uh, or I mean, I guess how few people knew, uh, you know, really kind of what was going on behind the scenes. What do you think happens to the little 12? Where do you think they all end up? Seems like uh, it, it's one of those things. It seems like, you know, if you ask me one thing, I'll tell you, I think that they're going, they're, they're, they're all going to go in separate directions. The Big Ten's going to do their thing. The Pac-12 is going to do their thing. Uh, you know, maybe the, the, the American or the Mountain West absorb some teams. I really don't know. Uh, you know, I, it makes sense for a school like Kansas to align themselves with the big 10, but then again, like, okay, so if you're going to take Kansas, who else are you going to take? Cause you're not going to stay at 15. If you're the big 10, now the big 10 is coming out and saying that uh, they don't know if they want to expand. So what does that do to the, uh, you know, to a, to a big 12 and pac 12 Alliance? I, I truly don't know. I really don't. And if I was Oklahoma state, I mean, I, I feel like you have options, obviously, finding some kind of inroad into the big 10 would be, I think the, the, the most perfect thing, but realistically, I don't know if I can sit here and say that I think that that's going to happen. 
Uh, The Pac-12 makes a whole lot of sense, but we're just, again, a couple years removed from thinking that the the big, maybe even a couple weeks removed from thinking that the Big 12 was a stronger unit than the Pac-12 was. So I I really don't know. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, And I don't think that it's going to, you know, necessarily be wrapped up here before the start of the college football season. So, uh, you know, in a picture-perfect world, I suppose you would say Kansas and OSU somehow find a way into the Big Ten. I just don't know how realistic that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, you would know more than I would about uh, the Kansas and what their allegiances are. But, uh, you know, the, the thing about it is, is, and I guess I could maybe get into a little bit of trouble here, but it's like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are just so arrogant, uh, whether it be talking about academics or the AAU stuff, or, you know, just maybe even having to uh, accept defeat a little bit in that, okay, we're going to allow some of these big 12 teams in it. it it's, it's really kind of uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating because I feel like it moves or changes or the speculation of it changes almost hourly nowadays. <laughs> I can't keep up with it. Eddie. I, mean, I, it's I really just too can't. much. Man. And then like all the stuff about like Florida state and Clemson, are they going to try and get into the sec? Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but with as crazy as, as shit has happened over the last couple of weeks, it's like, I mean, I guess I could see that happening. If that's the direction that uh, we're headed as far as super conferences go, uh, you know, I, I think the one thing that we do know is if ESPN wants it to happen, if the TV wants it, if the TV side of it wants it to happen, uh, I think it's Richard Dice that always says it's like, if ESPN wants something to happen, they can find the money for it. Disney uh, will uh, be able to find uh, find some greenback for them, and I, I think that that is probably uh, kind of my basis right now. Is if if it makes sense for TV, I can see it happening. You know, I look at the reaction from Bowles being the Big Twelve, and that feels like the worst type of ex girlfriend that is just freaking yeah. out and divorce, bringing ESPN involved in all this. This is just bizarre, Eddie, to me how the Big 12 and these other schools have reacted these last couple of days. I've never seen anything like this. No, and I think that there is a little bit of a sense of, uh, you know, desperation as far as, uh, you know, and, and maybe the desperation is also a sign of just how blindsided they were and everything. Now, whose fault is that? Obviously, there's going to be some blame thrown to Oklahoma and Texas' side, but at the same time, I just like, this is your job, Bob Bullsby. I, 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 how were you so blindsided? by two of your premier programs basically going behind your back. Like I, I, this something just doesn't match up there and, you know, maybe we'll never find out about it. Uh, you know, certainly ESPN, I don't know if they're going to want to do a 30 for 30 on their role in part of, of, of all of this, but uh, it's going to be certainly interesting, you know, kind of when the dust settles uh, just how many fingers are be pointing in which direction. So we got a little bit of time left, Eddie. So I got to ask you: uh, this current Sooner team uh, looks pretty good on paper. What do you sure. make of uh, what what uh, the Sooners have in twenty twenty one? Yeah, I mean, I, they they're going to be really really good. I think defensively, it's going to be one of the better defenses they've been able to put out onto the field here over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, you know, maybe even damn near a decade. It's going to be the best season of line that they've had, leading with uh, on Winfrey. Uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas obviously returning for uh, another senior season. And 
uh, you know, it, 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 it starts up there and then it kind of spreads out on the defensive side of the football. And I think to just kind of show you just how, how much things have changed over the last couple of years uh, in Norm, we're talking about the defensive side of the football first. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's very telling. Uh, I think that, you know, that is the reason uh, when you look at what they're able to do for the recruiting side, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the football, they're, with a mindset of they can actually compete for a national title and get over that college football playoff hump. And, uh, you know, you saw some kids get into, uh, to, uh, to roles last year and they were able to contribute and produce. It's just about taking that next step as a defense. And, you know, you saw from year one to year two, now year two to year three, uh, you know, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how everything kind of comes together for Oklahoma defensively. And then you look at the other side of the football, obviously, um, you know, Spencer Rattler back in uh, to kind of a role that a lot of people are familiar with, an Oklahoma quarterback that is a favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma goes into this season. It's kind of funny. The way, we were talking about this on a podcast earlier this morning. It, it, it's kind of funny because you look at Oklahoma and the, the complete unit, they're probably going to be a more complete team than they've been able to field here over the last couple of years. At the same time, while they're a top three team, there are a bunch of question marks. Um, and it's not question marks that necessarily they don't have guys. It's question marks. Are these guys going to be ready to make jumps? Uh, you know, you look at the offensive tackle situation, uh, you know, with Wanya Morris and Anton Harrison, are those guys going to be able to slip by themselves? Uh, you look at the safety position, they got guys returning, but at the same time, they've recruited well enough. Maybe Pat Fields and Dellen Turner yell aren't the answers at, at safety. They got other guys back there. Is Justin Harrington the guy that, was one of the top Juco defensive backs coming off of an ACL injury last year. What is he going to be able to contribute at cornerback? Or are they going to move him back into the other parts of the secondary? Uh, so they have a lot of talent. It's just kind of guys that they think are going to be good. We, we as media think are going to be good as well, but they've never done it on a Saturday. So I, I think that it's kind of interesting. You talk about Oklahoma and, you know, there's going to be a lot of people obviously that are going to have them win uh, to be the favorite, to be the big 12 champion, be a favorite to get back to a college football uh, playoff. But we've kind of seen this before kind of thing. Like I think that they're going to be really, really good. And I think that they could compete for a natural championship, but there are question marks that make you kind of step back and, and give a moment of pause. And especially if they run into some injuries, at specific uh, positions, you know, whether it be running back where they've been fortunate enough to go into the transfer portal and get an Eric Gray from Tennessee or get a Trey Bradford from LSU, getting Keith Brooks back. Uh, and, but he hasn't played a football game in a year after sitting out 2020. So, uh, you know, there's question marks, but they're kind of in a way like the good question marks that you have. I, it's like, OK, I, I think that they're going to be OK there, but you almost are looking almost maybe too much into it. And maybe that's just kind of what we do uh, because we were around it for so much of, uh, of the year. But, uh, you know, long story short, they should be really, really good. Uh, there's an expectation uh, that, that Oklahoma, you know, gets over the college football playoff hump. And, um, you know, it, it's tough to put the, uh, the type of expectation uh, on a team to say that, you know, if they don't play for a national championship, it's a disappointment. I, it's tough to put that type of expectation on college athletes, but at the same time, uh, you know, they feel like they've, they've made the steps uh, to put themselves into that position. And at a school like Oklahoma, it kind of comes with the territory. So uh, it will be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the way that the uh, the, the schedule shapes up, uh, you know, they 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 should be uh, setting themselves up into a uh, showdown with Iowa State towards the back half at the end of the schedule in which they should be undefeated. And 
uh, we'll it, it's going to be a fun, but you know, like there's a rattler is a perfect example of kind of the team as far as like, we think he's going to make a jump this year after, after a freshman season, there were so many flashes of, of yes, that's the guy that's going to be the next guy in line. But at the same time, when you look at the bad, it's like, okay, can he make adjustments? We think he will, but will he actually do it on Saturdays? Well, Eddie, you mentioned expectations. Uh, for me, it feels like for this Oklahoma team, it's the expectation of just picking up from where you left off last year after sure. that great Cotton Bowl win. We saw how different that team was on uh, when you know Spencer Rattler came back uh, after being benched in the Red River shootout. They were just a different team from that point going forward. Is that kind of what you're feeling too? Is just almost you know we're, we're jam- the season ended just going right there and transitioning over i mean uh it, it feels like the same team that we saw at the end of last year yeah and that's the thing they, they returned so many guys that were big contributors for last uh last season and you know it is kind of just it, it's wild just how last year was just so different with covid and the testing and everything that went into it and then you get to the games and it's like there was like a a a, a portion of the season that was part part one that was until halftime of the ou texas game and then Everything else that happened after that. And, um, you know, you saw the steps that Spencer Rattler was able to mm-hmm. make. And especially at the end of last season, uh, you have a wide receiver unit that is going to have to play better this season. If Oklahoma wants to make that jump, they led the uh, the uh, the country and dropped touchdown passes a year ago. Uh, you know, you even cut that number in half. And all of a sudden, I think you're looking at Spencer Rattler's numbers a lot differently. You're kind of remembering his freshman season or his first season as a starter uh, a lot differently. And, uh, you know, can Jaden Hazelwood make the jump? Can, uh, can, can Theo Weiss make a jump? Those are two five-star kids that, uh, you know, to date have not probably produced the way that Oklahoma fans would have liked them to uh, probably, and, you know, forget the fans, Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons, probably the same way. So, uh, you know, Marvin Mims was a uh, kind of a bright spot last year at the wide receiver position. They expect him to be a, a very good player moving forward. Um, you know, I, I think that Ryan Broyles name has kind of been mentioned as far as a guy that uh, he could put up record setting type numbers because he's going to have so many games under his belt when it's all said and done. Uh, Mario Williams is a five-star kid that is coming in with uh, high expectations out of uh, the Orlando area wide receiver that, uh, you know, could be one of the fastest players in the program. Then you forget about a guy like a Mike Woods that uh, is transferring in from, uh, from Arkansas. And I think that, you know, Lincoln kind of put it best is like, we think he's going to be able to compete. We think he's going to be able to contribute this year. Haven't even been able to get him out onto the practice field because he joined the uh, program after the spring. So, Mm. um, it's it's going to be kind of fun to see how all this comes together over the next month and then particularly uh, at the beginning of the season uh, when they go down to Tulane and then, you know, they have the uh, the cream puff game against uh, Western Carolina and then obviously Nebraska. So uh, it's uh, it's all going to be kind of fun to see how it all comes together. But again, uh, you know, if you look at the way Oklahoma was able to end the season last year and the way that they were able to perform against a team like Florida that, you know, albeit had a lot of key missing pieces uh, you know, the totality of what they were able to produce, the totality of what they were kind of able to achieve being such a young team relatively uh, a season ago and the weirdness that was the 2020 football season, uh, that makes for the expectations that go into 2021. And, uh, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit kind of thing for, uh, for this group. They feel like they could be extremely, extremely good. He's Eddie Radosevich. You can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, Eddie underscore Ratto. And uh, he is making his way to the SEC. Find Bob, watch your back, because uh, Eddie Radosevich is here. 
That is my good friend now. I'm not going to say anything bad uh, against him. He's a, he's a good colleague of mine, all right? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll check back on that later, see if things uh, hold up that way. Eddie, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll you talk it down the line. Anytime, Tyler. We welcome in Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group for Coach Bo's Football Fix. Presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find them online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, and by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, Brian.O'Connor at LPL.com. That's Brian with an a Y uh, dot O'Connor at LPL.com. Also on Facebook, you can like and follow O'Connor Advisory Group. Brian O'Connor joins us right now. Bo, uh, First off, what is going on with O'Connor Advisory Group? You guys are entering the month of August now. Uh, yeah. What's ahead? Hey, this is a little bit of a weird week for us. Uh, this week, we actually have our big LPL conference, which is our internal conference. Uh, so it's it's uh, virtual this year. So I've been spending all day today, yesterday, and the rest of this week during the days on uh, virtual calls and doing stuff like that. But uh Learning a lot, a lot of stuff that I want to bring home to clients, some stuff we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. I'm excited. Um, I've got not a lot of time, so thank you for squeezing us in today. I appreciate it. And uh, luckily, I have a, a, a little more, little less time on my hands than our wonderful senator here in Kansas. But uh, other than that, I think I'm doing Don't get me in trouble now. Hold on. <laughs> Wait till the other podcast for that one. <laughs> oh, Bo. Um... Off the top, I'm not going to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I just want to let you know. Cool. All right. That's the first. Uh, I don't think we've got a podcast without asking. I am going to ask you about Randall Cobb joining the Packers, though. Yeah, so that's that's a keep Aaron happy kind of thing. That's a pretty low cost for the Packers to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. You know, I mean, that's all Aaron really wanted was to be able to voice his opinion. It's funny, we recorded last week, and you'd asked if I'd seen Aaron's podcast, uh, his uh, press conference. I hadn't seen it. I saw it about an hour after we recorded last week, and man, he, he just let it fly. And I, I'm proud of him. I'm proud to see any athlete be able to speak their voice like that. I mean, he just didn't have any cares at all and just said, well, let's go. Well, I'll talk. And uh, this is clearly a keep Aaron happy kind of thing. It's low risk, low cost to the Packers. Uh, here's my question on Randall Cobb. Under what circumstance would Randall Cobb have to do something to get released right now? I have to get arrested. Yeah. He had to get convicted, I think. I, I, he's not going to – if he just say he didn't want to practice that day and sleep in all day long, there would be nothing that would happen. The Packers would do nothing to him. Right now. Not that he would be that kind of player, but – I mean, he is he is protected up on high from the high on the mountain right now. Besides keeping Aaron happy, what does Randall Cobb bring to the Packers at this point in his career? It's depth. I mean, it's depth. You never know. I mean, anytime you can get more athleticism and experience on the field, you know, just more trinkets you can put into the into the into the playbook. I mean, it's not a. It again, it's really low risk and low cost to the Packers. I see it as kind of a good trade and just something situation to bring him in. It doesn't cost them a whole lot. And uh, what's the downside? It really isn't one. 
And you lost what a sixth round draft pick? I think it was a six, is what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's basically nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, now you look at this Packers team, now that we know Aaron is going to be there. I'm measuring them with the rest of the NFC, Bo. And I mean, assuming that the locker room chemistry is still going to be there, and there's no reason to think it won't be because Aaron's issues are with the front office, not with the guys inside. On paper, what are they? About the third best team in the NFC? Let me look at something here. I, I would pulling up those Madden ratings, aren't you? No, I'm just looking at teams <laughs> overall. Um, I, I There's not a team that I would look at and say that's a better team. That would say that's a better team in the NFC. I think uh, the Bucks and Rams are both better teams. I, I don't know that they are. I, I think that there's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. I think that they're all in that same. Those are the three teams I think are all the top three are the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers. But I'm not by any means saying that I think that those are any of those three are better than everybody else. I mean, I think they're all just kind of the that's the top echelon. The Packers are right there with them. I don't. It would not surprise me if any of those three teams make the Super Bowl. Pretty much any other team from the NFC making the Super Bowl would surprise me. It was not one of those three. That's so, fair. I, I kind of have the Packers as that that third team. I mean, it's the I, I I don't know that I would rank the Bucks that much higher, even though they're coming up Super Bowl win. I just think about how badly and probably the Bucks played for most of the season last season. And we're looking at the long haul. We're not looking at just two or three weeks at the end. Um, and then you look at um, the Rams. It's going to all depend on for the Rams how well is the quarterback play. If he's a good fit, that Rams team is the best team, if you ask me. If, if Stafford's a good fit and he plays well, that's the team to beat in the NFC. But I don't think the drop-off is huge between any of those three. All right, let's move on to the uh, AFC. Carson Wentz out five to 12 weeks with a foot injury. I guess that they missed the memo on don't touch the quarterback in practice. Um, Bo, Carson Wentz, we only knew it was a matter of time before he'd be banged up again. I didn't expect it to be this soon. Why did they even make a trade for this guy? I really, I, I think he's terrible. I think he's a terrible quarterback. I would, there is pretty much no quarterback in the league. I'd rather have, I would not take over Carson Wentz. And I don't want to hear, well, he was so good. He's not a good player. He's a head case. He's not a good player. He played for a really good scheme and really had one really, really great year. I think it was a bad trade. And now the Colts not only lost him for a long, long period of time, they've also lost their all-pro guard uh, in front of him. In, um, oh, um, Nelson's a Quentin Nelson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, you know, now you're going to go to a backup quarterback for at least, at least five weeks, you know, as many as many as 12. Now, I think the Colts' roster is one of the best rosters in the league. But their biggest weakness is the quarterback position. I'll tell you what, I don't know who's the starting quarterback right now, but it's an upgrade. (laughs) 
We hear uh, Philip Rivers say that he's interested in possibly coming out of retirement. If you're the Colts, do you make that phone call right now? Yeah. I'm not even a Philip Rivers fan, but yeah. You do. I mean, it, I'd rather have Philip Rivers than, than uh, Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I'd make, I'd make that phone call. I, I don't know what else they can do. They can't commit to making a trade for another quarterback or, you know, go in to sign somebody, you know, off the bench for, you know, a free agent for a larger sum of money. Rivers is probably the way to go, honestly. If he's willing to come in and play for however many weeks until Wentz comes back. I, the Col- We're going to learn a lot about the, what the Colts think they have in these next couple of weeks because – that's that now a cluster, if you ask me. I, I, what I would do right now, if I were them, yeah, I'd go make a deal for Philip Rivers and bring him in. Because if you got the roster they have, it's you really you if you have any kind of window, it's right now. I don't think they have much of a window because of the quarterback. But that's because of that quarterback in Wentz. I think they got a great roster otherwise, though. So, yeah, I I would go with I would go with Philip Rivers in that case. I. Because of the salary cap issue, they can't go and get somebody else to replace Carson Wentz. The thing I look at, Bo, is, okay, if you're an elite football team and you're going to be without your quarterback for a while, then you say, you know what, we'll find ways to work around it until he gets back and such. But when you look at Carson Wentz's history, no matter how he plays this year, whatever it may be, the Colts cannot count on that Carson Wentz is going to come back and play well because history tells us that off of injury he has been awful. That he well, does not come back off of injury well. That that that's not something that he just jumps right into. I mean, if you're the Colts, it almost feels like your season has ended before it's even started. I don't disagree with you, and I think that Carson Wentz. I, I don't think that your season really got started when you when you went and got him. Right. We paid way too much for but just to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get, okay, let's go by your scenario. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes. The other issue that the Colts had is they did not get a real backup quarterback. And I think that that also shows how they feel about Carson Wentz because a good backup quarterback would have beaten Carson Wentz for that position. You know, a guy like a, guy like a Nick Foles, let's say. Mm hmm. You know, you couldn't bring in Nick Foles to be the backup or really anybody. Who is the backup quarterback for the Colts? Uh, it's not Jacoby Brissett. He's gone now, too. Nope. It's Jacob Eason. According to ESPN, you look at the they have Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, and Brett Hunter. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Why didn't they bring somebody else in? Well, they didn't bring somebody else in because they don't want a competition with Wentz. They want him to get all the time. The problem is now Wentz gets hurt, and you've got to go outside that quarterback room to find a quarterback. And so they got to go outside that room to go get. And I think Phillip Rivers is the choice. If you if he's willing to do it, he's the guy I'd go get. Well, and then you look at Jason Jacob Easton here. Here's a guy who was an average college quarterback. Yeah. Nothing special at Georgia, nothing special at Washington here. I mean, if that's your answer, I mean, you're in, you're some in some deep trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Brent Hundley, Brent Hundley's probably their best quarterback, and he was awful filling in for Rodgers a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, but he's probably their best quarterback. 
I mean, Sam Ellinger was a nice, nice story when he was in Texas. I mean, but I'd give Ellinger a shot before those two, and I'm not even an Ellinger fan. I, I you got to bring somebody from outside in if you need Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I mean, I'll call Pat McAfee, see if he wants to jump. <laughs> got enough of them. He played quarterback in high school. <laughs> so, with all that being said, uh, congrats to the Titans on winning the division, right? Oh yeah, this is this is just handmade for them now. This is it's been it's handed to them on a silver platter. Yeah, I mean, you have the Texans. We have no clue what's going to happen there. Jacksonville, well, I just don't trust the Jaguars to be anything, and Urban Meyer is going to mess that up. Uh, you know what it does give is it's going to give some false hope to a few teams. It might give false hope to a team like the Jaguars that oh there may be another win or two because they would have to play the an ailing Colts team, but yeah, the Titans are going to get a couple of extra easier wins now. You know what I would look at, you know, there there's, I've heard some rumblings about the Colts possibly calling the Jags and trading for Minshew. If you're the Jags, don't help out the Colts unless they're going to give you, you know, the, the farm for Gardner Minshew. I mean, don't help out your own division. Yeah. It's kind of a no, no to play in the division like that, but I, I, and you got to be wild by the situation. For it to be an interdivision trade, you're going to have to be taking advantage of that team. I mean, the Jaguars are going to have to get something with some really good value to trade Gardner Minshew. I think um, Gardner's going to be a great long-term backup in this league too. I, I think he's just fine. I think he's a clipboard guy. I think he's a you know he he can make a good living being Chase Daniel for the next 10 years. Yes, he'll have 10, 15-year career doing that and be just fine. Yeah. I think he's the kind of guy that if your quarterback's down for 10 days and might miss two games, he's good enough to help you get a split in those two games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Hey, Chase Daniel has made how many millions of dollars doing that on good football teams? Right. Yeah, that's what Gardner Minshew ought to be. Yeah. But uh, nothing's wrong with that either. Not a damn thing is wrong with that. It's the best job in football to be a backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, just, you just sit there and prepare and help the starter. And then, you know, if you get to play two games, all right, I get to play two games or three games or, or you know, mop up the rest of the season. That's about it. Cash in those checks, baby. Uh, it all works out good. Uh, COVID continues to uh, be an issue in the league. This has not gone away, but it's a, an issue in new ways than it was before and that we're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson not be vaccinated, Kirk Cousins, you name it, whatever, returning from this virus list. And, Bo, I mean, we've said it for a long time, you know, these guys need to get vaccinated. You know, we've encouraged that and such. Yes, it's a personal choice. But, I mean, if if you miss a game or if you miss the postseason because you got COVID and weren't vaccinated – I mean, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. I mean, you're 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 going to let your team down big time. I mean, there's going to be, I think, you know, we're we're seeing a few things here now in training camp, but if this happens in the regular season or postseason, that's not going to sit well. Yeah, you know, it's not going to sit well, and and you know, we've already seen where the NFL's come out and said that if a team can't field a team because of COVID, it's going to be a forfeit. What happens if a team comes out and? All of a sudden, because of contact tracing, they got to sit 10 guys or 15 guys 
and they end up forfeiting a game, which could cost you a playoff spot, you know, or some kind of seating, something like that. Cost happen. you millions in a home game. Yeah. I mean, it's all sorts of stuff. And so, I, you know, you can't go out. We can't go out and say that everyone must get vaccinated. Right. At the same time, look, the vac- vaccine's out there. We've seen a lot of proof that it's working. It's about getting as many of us vaccinated as possible so the people who have some compromised immune systems don't have to get it. You know, we got to get that number up. And in the league, we're seeing where now some people who are just they who are the anti-vax in this case, we're seeing some coaches that are getting let go because of it. They're saying, hey, I saw one with – I've seen um, one in Washington. I saw one in New England. Uh, there was a third coach. Three coaches that I've seen. I can't remember all of them right top of my head who have been fired or let go because of not getting vaccines. You know, the coaches are saying, no, we're going to be vaccinated in here. You know, especially with Washington, with Ron Rivera and him being, you know, um, know, cancer survivor and going through what he has to go through. Um, You know, I think that these teams short-sighted if you're, if, if a player or a coach isn't getting vaccinated. I mean, that's, you're putting too much at risk. And it's not just you, you're putting at risk. You're putting other people's, families and everything else at risk as well. This, the COVID thing still, we're still dealing with this. And we're going to deal with this all season as well. You know, and I know that some players, whether you have a religious belief against it or a medical belief, whatever, I understand that. I'll respect that. But at the same time, if you're able to do it, get it done and, and help your team out. That to me is no different than taking care of your body if you're a player. I mean, it's really no different than going through extra workouts that you're doing to better yourself for your team. So, you know, a little bit of cop-outs in these guys. When it comes down to these final roster spots, one thing that's been talked about is that the guys that are vaccinated are going to have an advantage on getting those spots. Bo, I don't see any problem with that whatsoever. I mean, these teams have to put the best product they can get out there and have as many able bodies as possible. Um, you know, you you could there might be some lawsuits down the road or something like that, but I don't blame teams one bit if they choose one guy over another if they're vaccinated. You know, it, it's I would like to know the legality piece of it on if being vaccinated or not is a protected um protected deal. Um, as far as you know, not, 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 I don't mean in a HIPAA way, but I mean in a fire is a fireable offense. But yes, when you're cut, you're fired. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, is that you're right in that. Yeah. You want to make yourself as if you're one of those people who are just on the cusp of making a team, you want to make yourself as valuable to that team as possible to get that roster spot. And if getting the vaccine is it flies in the face of that, well, then you need to make a decision that best for you. I wouldn't. I would not then complain if, you know, the, the tie goes to the runner in the, you know, in baseball, you know, if the tie is, okay, well, I got two guys here. One's got a vaccine and one doesn't, you know, you can make yourself as valuable as possible getting the vaccine. If that's going to make you more valuable, do it. You know, I, there's, there hasn't been a lot of issues with long-term, um, long-term consequences with the vaccine. So, Based on what we've seen so far. 
Hall of Fame game coming up tonight, Steelers and Cowboys. Mason Rudolph going to get the start for the uh, Steelers. Uh, I'm intrigued. You know, I, I know that we're not going to see the starters, but just to have football in the field, back in Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame induction ceremonies and all that, um, special weekend still, isn't it, Bo? Yeah, Hall of Fame weekend is kind of cool. You, you get the game, but in the, the, the coolest part of the game to me was they bring all the new Hall of Famers out. And uh, you get to see all those guys. And, and we got two classes to induct. You got two classes. Yeah, I was going to say you have two classes, 2020 class and a 2021 class. I did read a report that Peyton Manning's throwing some kind of a huge party because he's going in as an inductee for 2021. And um, I was listening to something where he's invited a bunch of ex-players and people who have been parts of his career to help him and celebrate and then to be a part of that. And um it's a pretty cool class. I mean, this is, it's good to see you to get back to this. And um, when is that? It's this weekend, right? Yes. Hall of Fame game tonight and induction ceremonies on Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got that. That's a cool deal. We've got that's back and people are going to be able to go to that and, um, you know, again, get vaccined up, make sure you're, make sure you're safe. And, you know, now with the Delta variant, let's wear our masks when we need to, and, you know, be safe for everyone's sake. Right. But yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have football back on the field, be able to watch some of it. The preseason games are like nerd games to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to watch, get to see some different different players or, you know, some guys who maybe they're on the cusp of making a team, maybe they're not. They're trying to get some film down so other teams can look at them. So I get to kind of nerd out watching a little bit of those things. I like well, that. Well, and people may forget because it's been so long ago now that the 2020 class is not only the modern era players, but the centennial slate. There's more inductees um, than there typically are because they they did the throwbacks of, you know, finally getting Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher, uh, you know, some of these others and such that had been waiting a while, Paul Tagliabue, uh, Steve Sable, you know, to finally get in. And then, you know, the 21 class, of course, um, you know, your, your greats like Peyton Manning, Jared Allen, Rondé Barber, um, or actually, I, I take it back, not Jared Allen, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Alan Fanica, uh, Drew Pearson, I mean, you know, Charles Woodson, both these classes, like the 21 class, Bo, I think is as good as any regular class, you know, not the extended like 2020, but just regular class that we've seen in a long time. The 2020 class is special in its own right for being that centennial class. These are two fantastic groups. Yeah, there's nobody on 2021's class you can't look at and go, that's a Hall of Fame. I mean, you got, I'm reading it off real quick. You got Alan Fanica, who is one of the best guards I've ever seen, mm-hmm. LSU. Um, you got Calvin Johnson. I mean, Megatron is just a beast. John Lynch, one of the best safeties of all time. You got Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson. I like the fact that Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson are going into the Hall of Fame at the same time. You know that it was Peyton Manning that Charles Woodson beat out for the Heisman. Charles Woodson beat out Peyton Manning. Yes, that's what I meant. Did I say that wrong? Yes. I meant yeah, when Charles Woodson won the Heisman, he was second place to Peyton Manning that year. Um, and then uh, – we got the 2020 class. You got Steve Atwater. Again, if you're old enough to remember, it was just a beast. I mean, just a terror on the field. Um, Isaac Bruce, I mean, just solid, always a great player. Steve Hutchinson, another one of those offensive linemen you just do not ever want to have come at you. 
Edrin James, who was the first, I mean, to me, Edrin James is kind of the second dual threat back behind Marshall Falk. Um, Troy Palomalu, I think at the Centennial class, uh, Harold Carmichael, Jim Colvert, Bobby Dillon, Cliff Harris, uh, Winston Hill, Alex Karras. Alex Karras is now getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, Donnie Shell, Duke Slater, and then you've got – there's more here. But then Bill Coward. Jimmy Johnson was the one. You mentioned Jimmy Johnson by name. My all-time favorite coach in, in football is Jimmy Johnson. I love me some Jimmy Johnson. I think it is a crime that's taken this long for Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson to get in the Hall of Fame. Not just for what he did with the Cowboys, but we can go back to when he was at Miami and everything before that. But he changed how the NFL handles players. Mm-hmm. What he did in Dallas with, you know, making trades for picks and using those picks on players and playing young players. If you ever get a chance, if you're a football nerd at all and want to know what all he did there, go read Jimmy Johnson's book. It is amazing. He talks about having a conversation with his coaches the first week and says, we've got nothing here. And he basically said, what are we going to do? And their only way to build the roster was the trade Herschel Walker. And there's a great 30 for 30, not full 30 for 30, like a 30, 30 for 30, 30 short. Sure, yeah. Yeah. The, the great trade robbery where he made the trade for seven players, but then assigned draft picks to each player in case he didn't keep them on the roster. And he admits to knowing in advance he wasn't going to keep those players. I think he only kept one or two of the seven. And so he kept getting those the draft pick compensation. And now when you see uh, draft pick players like on a, on a number total, number value for each pick in the draft based on where it's at from one in the first round to you know 32 in the seventh round, each pick has a number value, and that's how Jimmy Johnson added up if he was making a good deal or not. He didn't look at the players. He looked at the spots. So if you traded a late first rounder for two twos that were high, he realized he was getting more value that way. But he had to because his roster was so depleted. It's fascinating, and it's the same value system that teams to this day use. It's just fascinating stuff. He reinvented the wheel. He did. And and he was, he's fantastic. You know, he would have, he'd be even more respected had he not left. Right. Dallas. And that was the whole thing with him and him and Jerry Jones blowing up. He don't want to, he'd won more. There's a lot of good members in this class in both classes, Bo, but it feels like this is going to be all about Peyton. He's going to steal the show Saturday night, right? Yeah. You got a feeling that Peyton Manning's going to throw something out there and say something, you know, he, he, yeah, he's Peyton. He's Peyton Manning. He, this is going to be his show. I'm looking forward to. Have you seen the thing with ESPN and Monday Night Football with Peyton Manning? Yes, I'm excited about that. Sounds yeah, like Adam Peyton. Schefter is going to host it. I was going to ask who the host was. I haven't seen that part yet. I know it's Peyton and Eli, and then there's going to be a host. I don't know who that is. And it sounds like it's going to be Adam Schefter. That sounds like it's going to be a cool deal. And I'd rather watch that than the current Monday Night Crew. I like the current Monday Night Crew. I do. I. I've, I, I like all. I like Lewis Riddick, but the rest of it is kind of dull for me. I I think that Lewis Riddick. I think he's the star of the three, but yeah, I think they're all pretty good. I there's very few um, in the NFL. There's very few broadcast teams that I just don't don't like at all. Uh, most people say they don't like Buck and Buck and Aikman, but 
you know, I mean, that's just because we have some biases toward Joe, Joe Buck, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I'm also excited what Fox is doing and they're going to have a, I think you were the one that texted me about this first, the, uh, the group they're going to have a few times this year. Oh, Gus Johnson and keep to lead. Keep to lead and Gus Johnson. I have said for years, I want Gus Johnson to give the eulogy at my funeral. And, and I love to keep to lead. I, I like Aqib Talib better since he's retired than I did as a player. And I loved him as a player. Um, I think he was, a, he was a great player. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Um, and I think he should, I think he's going to get in. And then two, if you haven't listened to his podcasts, he, they're really good. He really knows his stuff. And they're fantastic. He, they're fantastic lists. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. We got a little bit of time left. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I want to ask you, you know, we mentioned the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. Big Ben not going to play. Uh, reports are out that the Steelers are open to Big Ben bringing, coming back next year. There's no way this happens, right? They can't tout out Big Ben you know, again. I, I think that's more of a, let's be nice, let's not call it his last season at the beginning of the season. Um, a lot of it also is the Steelers don't know if they have a quarterback. They don't know if they have Mason Rudolph. I mean, and they're going to play him in the preseason. He'll play every preseason game. He'll get as many of the snaps as they can give him. But let's say that Roethlisberger is at least, you know, somewhat good this year. He'll play the whole season. But then if you're the Steelers, you're up against it because Mason Rudolph's not under contract this year. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I think they're just trying to kick the can down the road and see what happens. Yeah, um, I think the – the wheels are, are off on Big Ben. I, I don't see – I will be shocked if he plays all 16 games this year. I would be, too, just because of his age. And, and, and I don't mean this in an unflattering way because I also am an overweight man, but <laughs> you're that big. He's a big man. I mean, he's a large, large man. I mean, it's hard to be able to do that for that long a season at that age. If he can't, God bless him. But – I don't see how he gets to the season unfazed like that. Just, it's going to be very difficult. Bo, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us as always. Yeah. Uh, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, OAGCast.com. You can find him there, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the uh, Hall of Fame game tonight. I'm, I'm excited. We'll finally have some real football. Uh, we'll yeah, get to we'll have some football to actually talk about next week, break down. Yeah, cool. Have a good week, Tyler. Take care. A couple more things before we wrap up on the Jones Report today. Let's talk NBA free agency. And the big thing about this free agency, Tom, is not who's leaving, but who's staying. We've seen a lot of extensions being handed around. And that's good news for most teams. When you look at Julius Randle getting paid some nice money to uh, stay with the New York Knicks. Steph Curry gets a record contract with the Warriors. Oklahoma City got the best news they've gotten in about four years when SGA signed that five-year, $170-plus million contract with potential for that to be $200 million. Um, To me, that's what's been the big thing is the guys that are staying. We haven't seen a whole lot of movement. Even Chris Paul, he opts out, but – he ends up signing a four-year deal to stay in Phoenix. He's taking less money this year, but he's going to get a whole lot of money down the road with 120 coming his way. Um, am I missing something here, Tom? That's what it feels like. It's about the extensions, not about who's leaving. 
And yeah, for the most part. I mean, like, what did Steph Curry just get? Like $225 million over like four or five years. Um, you know, I mean, people kept their people in place with big money. You got John, John Collins staying in Atlanta for more than a max. Uh, you got SGA staying in Oklahoma City. Um, who else got an extension? Who else got paid? I'm trying to think off the top. Um, hmm. Uh, you, you got Lakers bringing in a whole new crew. Not a whole lot of extensions there, it didn't seem like. But, um, yeah, the money that's getting tossed around is, is pretty crazy, uh, especially when people like Dennis Schroeder wanted, like, $84 million. Um, you know, DeRozan wanted more uh, than what he got, and he got a pretty good deal uh, getting signed and traded to Chicago for, like, $84 million over four years or $85 million over four years. So not a, not a terrible payday, um, but, you know, everyone kind of securing their person just the best that they can, it seemed like. Chicago and Miami did make some aggressive moves. Uh, Miami bringing in Kyle Lowry. You mentioned DeMar DeRozan going to the, uh, the Bulls there. Um, those two teams, should we expect significant jumps? I think the Bulls jump into potentially the top four in the Eastern Conference. What say you? You know, they could. It, it really depends on, you know, how they're going to fit together, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see DeRozan and Levine play together, you know. And unfortunately, obviously, he didn't resign in San Antonio. I didn't expect that to happen. I don't even necessarily know if I wanted that to happen. Um, but um, for what it's worth, I, I'll be very interested to see Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan play together. They end up keeping Lori Markinen, Um they get Alex Caruso, which is pretty funny to see the Lakers let him go and then not get who they wanted back. Uh, I thought that was great to see. I was pretty happy about that. Um, but, you know, for what it's worth, I think the Bulls will be all right. If they were in the Western Conference, I wouldn't say so. But being in the East, uh, I, th I think they move into four or five potentially. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to win. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, you, you're going to have you're going to have your bucks. I think Miami might fare better than the Bulls. I think that's a, a three, four or a five somewhere in there, depending on how that shakes out. And, and you know, obviously bucks, nets, um, maybe the Hawks are right back up there. Um, you know, they made some additions and secured the guy, John Collins. Also, I'm pretty sure Trey Young got a huge payday or is going to have a huge payday soon. So yeah, Atlanta's not going anywhere. They're going to be good a while. I think so. I think they're, uh, I think they're in a good spot. So, I mean, you, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty much pick them after that. You got Bucks, Nets, Hawks. I mean, you could throw the, the Knicks, you know, uh, the Knicks got Kimball. Yeah. Sixers. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Bulls are five or six, you know, I'd, it'd be interesting to see, like I said, Levine and DeRozan play together. And, and see how they, they form that lineup or what that lineup's going to look like. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. You mentioned the uh, Lakers. We mentioned on last week's show them getting Russell Westbrook and, you know, a couple other moves they've finessed uh, to bring in guys like Dwight Howard and, and, uh, and a few others. The, the Lakers, I mean, they, they signed some big names, Tom, but this is – a really old team. They were already the oldest in the league. 
and they couldn't get through injuries to get themselves out of the first round of the playoffs last year. Uh, I mean, is uh, is AARP going to be enough to get this team to the NBA Finals? Uh, you know, I don't know. Their average age is like 33 and a quarter. Um, I think for the Lakers, if they stay healthy, sure. This would have been, you know, you mentioned it last week, last week this will be a fun team to play on 2K with, right? This is a team you finesse on, you know, 2K on, on my GM mode, right? Is it going to work out? Uh, you know, I don't think so. This team would have been damn good five years ago. This is the team that on 2K, you go into franchise mode and you turn injuries off. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, that's – and then we'll see. You know, I think Russell Westbrook's fine. Mello, not the player, obviously, he once was, but shows some flashes. Dwight Howard, he just said, you know, saw what was going on and said, oh, yeah, let's go back. He's not been terrible. You know, he's shown some flash of his former self, but he's still not Dwight Howard of the old days. I mean, you got LeBron, who's, you know, he seems like he's pretty focused on his Hollywood career right now. You know, he's kind of transitioned. He's not going to be – I mean, he's still be LeBron, but – you know, each year he, he gets, I feel like, maybe less ball dominant, which is good. I mean, he's aging well. Um, I mean, he's LeBron James. But, I mean, that's a lot of mouths to feed on that team. Um, and then you got Anthony Davis, who people think is better than Tim Duncan. Um, not really going to get to show it a whole lot this year with all these mouths to feed. Yeah. Um, a lot of personality in that locker room. Indeed. And I'd like to see a hard knocks. I would, too. The Suns with this Chris Paul deal, I feel like, Tom, that it might do them good this year or even the year following, having Chris Paul around, even with that money. But I do not feel good at all for the Suns of the back end of that contract with all that money being fully guaranteed. We've already seen that when Chris Paul is not healthy, it's a problem trying to get him out there. And what it takes to see him play at full strength. He's still a special player at full strength, but it takes a lot for him to be at full strength. I think Phoenix, they very well could win the championship next year. And they say, you know what? We'll sacrifice the next three years for this championship year. But if they don't win a championship with Chris Paul, they're going to regret the length of that four-year deal big time. Yeah, no one that's, – that's the thing. No one's taking that money. No one's taking that contract. Nobody. Nobody. And, you know, there was a lot of people that said his contract was already too big, and then obviously he kind of proved his worth, obviously, in a contract year. Surprise, surprise. Um, but proved his worth, and, and it got the Suns on the brink, and they almost had it. Um, but, you know, you double down on that Chris Paul, him him staying healthy and still being a player he is. I mean, he's is he going to be able to play that long? Uh, I mean, I, I think maybe so. But the Suns, you know, they, they have all this youth. You, you know, you got Cameron Payne. You got Aiton back. Um, you know, you have Devin Booker, who I think is going to learn a lot from that last playoff run. And, you know, you have Bridges on there. So, you know, they're they're – going to be all right maybe they I don't I'm pretty sure they still have Jake Crowder playoff Jay uh who was pretty solid so they they have a really good shot at uh running it back this year and, and maybe getting the dub 
Um, but man, is it, it's only going to get harder. I mean, as Chris Paul ages and, you know, throwing all that money to a what 36 year old, uh, that's tough. So, I mean, I, we're not GMs for a reason, Jones, but I wouldn't have given them that much money. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. And post draft, Tom, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the top teams in the NBA post draft and now, in the midst of free agency with most of the groundwork being done at this point. Um, I mean, it, it still feels like it's going to be the same teams again, right? I mean, the heat, we, the heat and bulls we mentioned both got significantly better, but the bucks are still there. The nets are going to be back. The Lakers will be good, but we don't know if they're going to be great, you know, depending on what guys are going to be around. Um, the Suns are going to be good. Utah is going to be good. I mean, it's still the same teams we were talking about last year, right? Not a, not a huge changeover. I mean, yes, you could have a different NBA Finals, but it's still going to be those same core teams competing for those two spots again. I don't see a team coming out of the woodwork like Phoenix did last year or like Utah did of, of uh, finishing first in the West last year that nobody saw coming. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as the – I think as far as the playoff teams go, I mean, you're, you're still pretty down pat as far as the same, same type of teams. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody could sneak in, you know, I think Memphis gets a little bit better. They did just trade Va Jonas Valanciunas to uh, the Pelicans for Steven Adams. Um, so, you know, I think it could be pretty interesting there. I mean, Boston, are they going to get better? Um, I mean, it's time for it, time for Jason Tatum to either put up or shut up, put up or shut up. Oh, I can't talk. Um, and I think he will. He's been playing decent in the uh, in the Olympics. And, you know, well, I guess we haven't even mentioned the Olympics, but we, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Who cares? <laughs> um, you know, they just beat Australia. Um, rest in peace, Patty Mills on the Spurs. Um, he's going to the Nets. So the rich get richer, it seems like, on that end, maybe – I mean, you look at the bottom two. I mean, last year you had Philly, Nets. Okay, so, you, I mean, you got 76ers, Nets, uh, Bucks. You know, you want to throw in the Bulls in, in exchange for the Wizards because the Wizards aren't going – the Wizards aren't going to do it again. They got lucky anyway on the play-in. Um, they're not going to do it again. Um, so, you maybe slide in the Bulls in place of the Wizards and you got, uh, you know, you got the Sixers, the Knicks – the Hawks, the Bucks, the Heat, the Nets, and the Celtics. I mean, that uh, maybe the Pacers maybe in a plan, but I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty set in stone. And then, like you mentioned, on the Western Conference side, I mean, the uh, uh, it's gonna, let me it's throw gonna in the Nuggets maybe too. The Nuggets yeah. will be better with Jamal Murray when he comes back. Um, right, and then you, Portland. I'm assuming may get worse. I don't. I don't know. And the Warriors are going to come back and make it in. So you can sub Portland out, I'd say, for the Warriors. And then you'd have Utah, Memphis, uh, Clippers, Mavericks, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Warriors. The, I mean, I'll wrap up on this. The I think the biggest loser of free agency and post-draft who did not get better that needed to take a step up was the Mavs. We saw that this team lacked three-point shooting. They don't, they don't have the players that Luka needs. And Luka was vocal. He was not happy with how things 
have been run. He chased out Rick Carlisle and all that. That, to me, is the team that uh, needed to make a jump but didn't uh, in all this is Dallas, Tom. Yeah, I think so. They they could have made some moves. There was talks on them trying to get DeRozan. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really see any power moves from the Mavs. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the Pacers earlier. Maybe Rick Carlisle gets them into the playoffs. I don't know. But that being said, the, you know, you, you watch Luka over doing what he's done for Slovenia, I don't, and they might make the final. I don't know what that game ended up being. I think it was Slovenia oh, versus France. Oh, they did lose? Okay, yeah. so it'll be Australia versus Slovenia for the bronze and France and U.S. for the gold and silver. But, I mean, for them, that's the first time I think they've ever even got to a medal game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's all because of Luka. Um, but, you know, the Mavs cannot let Luka get – I mean, they have to. they have to, you know – get on their knees for Luca as bad as that sounds. They, they Luca's a, a gentleman in the streets and a freak in the bed. <laughs> I mean, you got to do whatever you get to do to please him because, uh, you know, I don't think he's a drama queen. I don't think he's, I mean, I'm saying, I don't think he's an ass, you know, but rightfully so, you know, he, he wants to win and he knows that he's carrying the team on his back. Uh, so get the man some help. You do, these don't, these type of players don't come around often. I know if he was on the Spurs, I'd give up whoever on the Spurs to get Luca right now. Yeah. I'd give up, and I wouldn't give up Pop, but he's about done anyway. But um, that being said, yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, and the Mavs didn't. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. All right, time for our Tom Fulry story of the week. Where shall we head to this time, Tom? Jones, we're going to stay – in sports and i know we just got done talking about the nba but we're going to talk about the nba some more uh jones we know that uh iphone and iMessage is way better than android and i think i've seen you tweet before that you could never marry a woman that has an android because of the green text messages it'd be too weird can't do it right and i think you and jason kidd would be best friends so here's here's the article coming from insider.com nba head coach punished his team because one player had an android phone and it messed up a group chat Jason Kidd reportedly <laughs> Jason Kidd reportedly punished the Milwaukee Bucks team over a group chat issue in 2014. Um, it was just the rundown. Center, and this is obviously this guy would have it. Thon Maker had an Android while other players had iPhones causing group chat error. Kidd made the entire team run sprints saying Maker's Android was being an example of not being united. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jason Kidd more. Dallas Mavericks head coach Jason Kidd won't tolerate Android issues on his team. Kidd reportedly punished the entire Milwaukee Bucks team because one player had an Android phone during his stint as Bucks head coach in 2014. According to an excerpt in the upcoming Bug Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP. Beta writes, the author of that book, that Kidd was a strict, hard-nosed coach with the Bucks from 14 to 18 and brought an interesting coaching tactic that punished the rest of the team for a single player's mistake. If a player slipped up during practice, then Kidd would make every other player run sprints while the player who made the mistake had to watch from the sideline. The tactic would instill physical punishment on the team to encourage players to hold each other accountable while using psychological punishment on individual players to promote a more urgent mental focus. Kidd employed this tactic when former Bucks center Thon Maker, who last played for the Cavs this January, caused an error in the team's group chat by using an Android instead of an iPhone. 
At one point, Center Thonmaker didn't have an iPhone, messing up the team's blue bubble iPhone group chat. The book, book excerpt read. Kid was upset about it and made the team run because Kid felt that Maker not getting an iPhone was an example of being team not being united. Uh, goes on to say Kid's four-year tender in Milwaukee won a combined 139 for 152 and never advanced past the first round of the playoffs before he was fired halfway through the season 17 and 18. Kid spent the last two seasons with the Lakers as an assistant coach before being hired as the next head coach of the Mavs on June 28th. Jones, we just talked about the Mavs not making moves. Maybe in part of the uh, interviews with free agents, maybe they also they had androids. Maybe that has so. to be. I wonder, I, mean, I wonder what kind of phone Luca has. He seems like an android guy, to be honest. Maybe so. I could see that. Or like uh, a Google phone. So I have a group chat at work, and there's this one guy that has an android, and it kills the vibe of the entire group chat. And I've said, why don't we just start a separate group chat of just everyone else that's iPhone and do this right. And we'll just catch him up later on what's going on. What did they say? Everybody loved the idea. I mean, the Android guy is kind of annoying anyway. So I think that <laughs> he doesn't it listen be to all, the show. Be all right. I'm going to assume he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> if we get a one star review we'll know who it is <laughs> we'll know it's we'll know it's uh, old Joe McNabb from Grey TV yeah. Has yeah. To be. that's incredible yeah it's I mean I don't blame you know Jason Kidd uh, for wanting United Apple you know first off I would never get an Android again no, I mean, uh, never. don't you love leaving people on red? You know, my red is not turned on for probably for a good reason. If if someone's got an Android, you can leave them on red and they would never know it. That's no fun. It depends on the person. I leave people on red all the time and they don't know it. Um, just because I never put it on there. But, um, you know, hell, that being said, like, Android, it's not good. And iMessage, you know, it. You can't ha-ha, you know, if you ha-ha or exclamation mark or heart a text, it will respond in the group chat as Tyler Jones hearted a message. Well, that doesn't, that's not fun. That's just stupid. It, it, yeah, it throws off the vibe of it. So Thon Maker obviously would have an Android. And um, by the way, surprised. if somebody does have an Android um, and you got a group chat going, don't use the heart or ha-ha things. I don't need a text message coming in that says so-and-so liked or so-and-so hearted. No, it doesn't work the same. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it messes up the whole vibe of it. and um, It doesn't feel as know. genuine. No, it doesn't. And it's just like, well, that or I'll tell you the Android emojis. So several, several years ago, I had an Android. Um and the emojis that they use look very dweebish. Very, I don't know how you would, just terrible. They don't look good at all. Um, just the user inter interface for Android is just, it's trash. Um, and so Thon Maker would, obviously he's not playing in the league right now. He might be working for Samsung. 
Well, then, like, with the money that Thawne was making, why doesn't he have multiple phones? Like, one of them be an iPhone. He could afford right, it. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Or why would you just, I mean, maybe, sure, some people have their preference, whatever. But I don't know how you could use an iPhone and then go back to um, an Android. I just don't, I don't get it. I would file uh, for divorce secretly... if I was married and uh, and my spouse, if she wanted a uh, an Android, or if she showed up one day and had an Android, I'd say, "Give me the divorce papers right now. We're not doing this. I never want to speak to you, know, you through that Android ever again." Even if she brought home a Whataburger. <laughs> Well, I mean that would that would help things, but no, the Android's a deal break. You're going at work one day and your phone stops working, and she comes home with you a new Android. She says, "Honey, I switched the phone plan." How dare you? Got us all upgraded to Virgin Mobile. <laughs> got us all, uh, you know, a free Android. Nobody wants to be a Virgin, though, Tom. Not with Virgin Mobile, but you no. know. So. Yeah, while we're ripping people with Androids, um, is there anything worse on Instagram than when Android people try doing Instagram stories? They just look terrible. Oh, it's all grainy. Like yeah, their they, fonts they aren't say, even the same. Yeah, it looks it looks very MySpace days age. It doesn't look very modern at all. You know, I just I don't get it for for anybody that has and you know I, I'm in this in a group chat that it's my Ram fan group chat that one of my friends has he has like a I don't even know if he has an Android it might be a Google phone at this point I need to ask but he's always had an Android and I'm like Josh get an iPhone he's like no I hate Apple and I'm like don't even like iPhone is the best for a reason I mean everybody has one for a reason um you know, obviously not everybody. Josh, my friend Josh, doesn't. Your friend at work doesn't. And obviously, Thon Maker is probably still out there using an Android. So, Tom, I don't know if this makes me an elitist or something, but for the first time in my life, I am completely Apple right now. Apple iPhone, MacBook at home, MacBook Pro at work. Um like everything I use is Apple. I don't even touch Windows anymore. Windows, Android, uh, you guys are suckers. Uh, you don't meet the Tyler Jones criteria. I, I, the divorce papers have been finalized. They're done. See you later. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's no other way about it. I didn't know you guys use Apple at, at Gray. That's uh, pretty cool. We just started about a week ago, actually. No, it's great. I used to... Uh... I used to have a job that was only Apple and it was great. And now as we sit here speaking, I'm currently working in Excel at work. Do I need an Apple watch next? Um, you know, I have, I have one and I haven't worn it in a long time. I just forget about it, forget to charge it and don't put it on. I need to, I, I guess really what's stopping me is I have to like update it and I don't really have the time to sit and wait because you have to be near it and, push different things on it while it updates but I just haven't taken the time to do it so I don't even wear a watch I check the time on my phone that's why right. I've never been interested in the Apple watch 
I mean, it's cool to see messages pop up when you're on the go, but I mean, other than that, and you can reply to messages with talk, you know, speak to talk or whatever it is, talk to text. Um, but other than that, it's like, well, you know, um, you know, at doubles though, is you get the, one of the new ones, uh, doubles is a life alert. So if you okay. fall down and hurt yourself, they fall can down, can't get up. You falling. Boom. It's like me falling. It's like me falling in Mexico. They, if I'd had my Apple watch on, I might've called me an ambulance right then and there. Yeah. What could have been <laughs> Android? You are on the hit list. We don't want anything to do with you. You are ass. There you go. We are an anti-Android show. And on that note, we will go home and say goodbye. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you right back here on the Jones Report. Big thanks to Eddie Radosevich for stopping by, Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor as well. Subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every week on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Twitter. At Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, Jones underscore report. You can find us there. Tom, we'll see you in a couple days. It will be uh, a good time had by all. And we'll be right back here next week. For, we might have to go to Nola's this week. We might have to. For Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Eddie Rodasco, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Book. See you next week.